Hey everybody, Spartan Hours here, Riyad Bayan, your host, uh, of course joined, uh, we missed you last week there JC, JC Mignot, my co-host there, how you doing today buddy? Good, I got last week off, it was uh, weird, I don't know how well it went without me on the show, but uh, I guess we'll see, you haven't uh, posted it yet, have you? No, so we're far. no, no, no. Obviously, with uh, with Devin on the line there, things got a little messed up. So we're doing we're still doing a little more editing. But that's uh, why you should have had me on to keep him in check. You know, you need someone to keep him in check. I know, eh? I know, man. So what 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 did you do on your day off? What you had you had the whole day of Wednesday off? What what happened? Well, of course, I did not have the day off. I just got to work for Spartan instead, a little bit longer. Yes. Okay. So we had a we had a full day of uh, patience that day. So uh, yeah, just troubleshooting and pushing through the day. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah for sure. What do you think of this weather, man? This- uh, you know what? I'm looking at super duper sunny day out here, but uh, a little bit cold. Still cold. Yeah. And yeah, it's uh, it's touch and go. Yesterday was we had everything from pouring rain sunny then snow it went through everything yesterday it was so weird it was yeah i went outside today there just to uh, go grab the uh, recycling bins and it was uh, it was pretty it was pretty chilly for sure um, yeah. hey listen you know what we got a great show today we got we do great, indeed. yeah we got a great show we got some real big big hitters here uh, uh, coming on joining us um, we got uh, Ken Hall from CEO and founder of Two Dogs Games. Uh, he's launching that game there, Destiny Sword. So we're going to talk about that. And then we've got Dr. B from Take This. and uh, Clinical director of Take This. Cl- exactly. See, that's why I have you on the show, JC, because you save me every friggin' time. Because you don't listen. Yeah. I don't listen. No, I'm on my own little thing. Hey, listen, everybody. Spartan Hour's here. Uh, it's going to be a pretty cool show. Make sure you tune in. Uh, We'll be back in a sec and uh, introduce our guests, so everybody, stay tuned. Spartan Hour, brought to you by Spartan Wellness. Are you interested in learning how medical cannabis may improve your road to recovery and your overall lifestyle? Please contact us at www.spartanwellness.ca or by phone at 1-877-219-1255 or email us at info at spartanwellness.ca. Check out our website at www.spartanwellness.ca. Thank you. Spartan Hour, Riyad Bain, your host, joined with my co-host, J.C. Mignot, Medical Director for Spartan Wellness, as well as one of the most elite Special Forces medics ever to serve in the Canadian Forces. I had to say it, J.C. Listen, okay. let's introduce our guys. Hey, we're joined today with uh, Ken Hall, founder and CEO of Two Dogs Games, and Dr. B., Clinical director for Take This. Uh, how you doing today, gents? Awesome. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, I'm doing just fine today. Yeah, for sure. So here, listen, uh, Doctor B, you're probably the farthest away from us. Where Where are you right now? Uh, well, I'm. I generally reside in some state of denial somewhere <laughs> along uh, <laughs> the continuum between reality and fantasy, or whatever other rolled doll. Or I love Lewis Carroll uh, imagery I can invoke. No, I'm in Seattle, Washington. I'm all, all the way over here on the west coast of the United States, up in the upper corner. Wow, wow. And 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 I don't think you're having the weather we're having. It's pretty warm over there, I imagine. 
Oh, no. no. <laughs> um, people, actually, people don't realize this, but uh, in terms of major metropolitan cities in the United States, Seattle is the northernmost. Uh, we are for, I think we are further north uh, than Toronto. Oh, okay. So that makes yeah, sense then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, it is rainy. It's ra- Oh, it's and rainy. Rain. Oh, yeah. It's always rainy it. in Seattle. That's what we like people to think. Yes. <laughs> when I was there, it was rainy. I can tell you that. That's fine. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And Ken, you're, you're, you're up. Well, you're up. Ken, you're up in. Uh, uh, Barry area north yeah we're up in uh, up in malmer about uh, an hour north of the city and uh, it's nice you know luckily in this uh, time of uh, lockdown we at least have some property we can get out and walk the dogs and stretch our legs on but uh, it does mean that we're we're kind of in the middle of nowhere uh, when it comes to you know all the the basic necessities like uh, internet and other things like that <laughs> what would we do without internet eh hey listen uh, um... it's, it's a different world that's for sure <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're just getting our groove on, everybody. But uh, I think one of the things we'd like to do is, uh, Ken, we'll start with you, actually. Um, it's a combined show today, everybody. We're going to be talking about games and video games and uh, the mental health behind it, as well as uh, game production in the industry over in general. But, uh, Ken, you're the founder, CEO of uh, Two Dogs Games. Uh, tell us what's going on with that. So yeah, we, we started the company, uh, we're a team of industry veterans, and we started about two years ago working on this project, uh, Destiny Sword, as you mentioned, and uh, really we just wanted to come together. We'd been making a lot of online games, uh, you know, sort of uh, AAA level games, uh, things like uh, Warframe and uh, World of Warships and APB, APB Reloaded, um, but we really wanted to come together and make a game that focused more on uh, you know, bringing people together and creating, uh, you know, a sense of social connection and also looking at the at the characters being uh, more than just numbers on a spreadsheet. So, so yeah, we put a, a great team together and we've been working on that for the past couple of years. Oh, wow. That's great. And JC, you've been part of it too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. I've been to a few things now and uh, it's quite cool to see the, the progression that uh, has been going on. And I'll be asking you a little bit more about that later on, where we're at on it. But, uh, For sure. JC's yeah. even a character in the game right now in our yeah. uh, our demo. He's uh, yeah. the, the commanding yeah. officer giving us the briefing. So. And, and, and we'll, we'll talk a little more in depth about that character for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just a little Don't bit of segue. Me. But uh, we got Dr. B. Dr. <laughs> B, tell us about um, Take This and, and what you're doing exactly within the video game industry and, and so forth. Well, uh, so since 2012, Take This has been the was the first mental health nonprofit to serve the game industry. Unfortunately, like a lot of good origin stories, ours was uh, a sad, a, a sad one. Uh, we our our three founders had a colleague, a game journalist by the name of Matthew Hughes, who uh, was struggling, like so many people are with mental health challenges, and was struggling in silence, like unfortunately so many people are. They had no idea what was going on with him. And then uh, one day he sent a very calm series of emails to his editors and um, shortly after took his own life. And in the, the tragic wake of that, our founders asked themselves, what could we have done? You know, how could we have helped Matt? And the, what they, the conclusion that they came to was 
the biggest hurdle was the shame and stigma associated with mental health challenges. Because despite the fact that, depending on which studies you look at, roughly one in four to one in two people uh, in the United States will will be diagnosed with a mental health challenge, uh, full-on diagnosis in their lifetime. And those numbers are fairly consistent across most post-industrial nations. Um, we're still not talking about it as much as we should. It's that common and where there's still so much shame and stigma attached to it. So take this uh, team and our mission is to educate and destigmatize mental health challenges within the industry, both on the uh, industry side and the consumer side. And we have a lot of programs by which we do that, primarily through educational and outreach programs like our grassroots streaming ambassador campaigns, um, our workshops, and uh, well, on consultation on projects like Destiny Sword, because we want to make sure there are good mental health representations mm -hmm. in games, because there are just a lot of bad ones, <laughs> a lot of terrible ones throughout media. Well, we can imagine, right? And and um, <clears throat> I know there's a lot of aspects to the video gaming industry. Uh, obviously, uh, there's there's certain definite levels, you know, uh, appealing to the patient, uh, appealing to the uh, the users, the gamers, as well as appealing to all the industry as well to make sure that the game survives. Um, <clears throat> but you know, we, I'd like to, you know, let's let's move on to that. Actually, uh, now that we got both of you online, uh, let's let's talk a bit more about Destiny Sword, Ken, and and what what's making that game so special, and and the help that Doctor B and and uh, veterans like JC and stuff are are doing with it. Well, so we uh, we really wanted, as I mentioned before, to to make sure the characters felt like you know people. So they really you know gave us some sense of. Uh, you know, uh, responsibility and a bit of a social awareness in, in you know, communicating with them and, and uh, trying to, you know, build empathy and, and uh, you know, build our awareness of what other people go through, um, you know, and how they see things from different perspectives. So we've built a technology that we call our insight engine, and it does a full psychological simulation of the characters. It, uh, each character has their own unique personality with all kinds of different, uh, you know, variables that, that go into that. So determining whether they're more introverted or they're more likely to be anxious or they're, you know, uh, more trustworthy or more emotional about things, all, all kinds of different parameters that affect how they view their world. And then, uh, you know, the, the game and the player's interactions will all, uh, you know, affect the development of that character's uh, emotional state and their, their mental health. And so it was really important when we started doing that, that we, we did it in a way that, uh, you know, was dignified and, and was as realistic as possible as well. Uh, not in a gritty sense of, of realism, but in a sense that, you know, hopefully the kind of communication and, and strategies and the, the uh, sort of support mechanisms that people are learning for the game are things that can actually translate into their real lives and, and they can encourage, you know, their friends and, and family who are going, uh, you know, through issues in a positive way as well. So so to do that, we needed to hook up with some people that actually knew what they were doing. And that's where we, we came across, uh, you know, uh, Dr. B and the team at Take This, and they've been in incredibly generous and helpful in in consulting with us and making sure that we we don't uh you know even unconsciously add to the stigma surrounding mental health but we do help to break those barriers down and create positive conversations uh and then we hooked up with a, a bunch of uh different veterans including uh, yourselves at spartan wellness and uh, and the team there has equally been you know very generous with their time and, and helping us to to really understand you know kind of what are some of the the, the things that 
you know, you guys had to, to sort of deal with, you know, going through the, you know, the issues surrounding combat and what are some of the long-term consequences that people maybe aren't aware of or don't realize or take for granted, you know, that, uh, that these aren't experiences that, you know, leave you when the movie turns off there, you guys have to live with them. And that's one of the things we really wanted people to, to have a better feeling for. And uh, one thing I, I would, I would really love to add if I can about, um, the way to, I love the way that two dogs approached this is the multidimensionality of it mm. that uh, their their inside engine it, Ken was it like eight different dimensions that you're looking at uh, the for the engine? for the emotional state yeah yeah and the the complexity of all of that because I think too often when we see mental health either struggles or full-on diagnoses represented in both media in any form of media it's this one-dimensional plot device Mm-hmm. that is there simply you know uh like one of the biggest pet peeves we have at take this uh amongst the the psychology staff is the idea that explaining you know erratic behavior because of trauma it's some plot hook or plot device or whatever and trauma amongst many other things is just so complicated and the fact that uh two dogs represented it uh, you know mental wellness and mental cha- mental health challenges across eight different complex dimensions is it just a tremendous step forward in the, the representation of these things. I, I can't imagine the amount of effort that went into it because if you look at like the games that I play, it's fight, uh, die, respawn. <laughs> you know, there, there's there's really no more to it than fight, die, and respawn, right? Uh, Dark Souls, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> just, uh, I'm a COD guy, but uh, yeah. So uh, the complexity is amazing what you've uh, put into this. It's incredible. Yeah, I, I find like look with the demos we've done, Ken and, and, and Dr. B and that we you know, it's just it, it, it's more human. It's more it's it's more real. Like you just said, JC, you fight, kill, die, whatever. Uh there's no emotion attached to it. That's not what that's not what it's like when we're on the front lines for sure. It's very different. And and you know, JC, you could touch on that quite a bit. Um yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could, like, for real, I've been in combat, and it's not always, you know, uh, fight, kill, uh, die. It doesn't work that way. And the stuff that happens after in your life, uh, you bring that home. You do, uh, unfortunately, because uh, it doesn't go away. Uh, so um, games like this kind of opens other people's eyes that maybe have not been in combat, um, and maybe it will help them understand what me and Riyadh have been going through, you know, for many years of our lives. So kudos to you guys. Yeah. So Ken uh, and, and, and Dr. B, both of you, please, please put into it. So how do you see this type of approach now with games? Uh, one, is it going to be accepted? And two, is it, is it going to start a change overall amongst games or is that too big of a question? I'll leave it with you guys. Well, I, I think, you know, we're certainly seeing, uh, uh, you know, if we if we look at mental health specifically, we're seeing a lot of games that are, are trying to examine that in a, uh, you know, in a more complex fashion and particularly in a more nuanced fashion. So not just looking at this, you know, extreme negative, like the, the extreme psychotic breaks, but, but actually looking at, uh, you know, 
the impact on on sort of people's lives and the things they have to do to manage those conditions and the the ways that they kind of build their resiliency and and even looking at it in some aspects as a a positive factor and not always a, a negative factor either. Um, so I think we're certainly seeing a lot more of that and awareness of that. Uh, you know, coming out uh, as far as the the games that have more more meaning. I mean, I think. You know, the games industry, that's one of the exciting things about it is there's something for everybody in there, right? Yeah. So there's there's always a, a niche that wants a, a more cerebral game and always a niche that wants a more, you know, adrenaline-based, uh, you know, fast reaction game. So this isn't that. It's not a, It's not how fast can you, you know, put the cursor on somebody and, and pull the trigger. It's definitely more about, you know, sort of thinking and, and you know, going through the story. And, and at the same point, there are games that are very gritty where they try to put you in the play of the main character and and again especially with with us wanting to kind of really give people an awareness of the impacts of trauma we really wanted to be careful that we never you know actually had people experience that trauma secondhand through through the way we we tell the story so we really wanted them to to sort of uh, you know uh, be more managing uh, a team who has been through these traumatic circumstances rather than put them in those situations themselves. Um, but again, different situations, you know, there's all kinds of different projects out there that that touch on different aspects of that. So we're just one slice, but, uh, you know, we're fairly confident there is a, a niche out there that will appreciate what we're doing. And yeah. Well, and it seems it's, it's a timely thing that it, there's a there seems to be a growing swell of concern and uh you know i don't i i i'm i'm quick to tell people that take this was the first mental health nonprofit in the game industry but we were needed and it, it, you can see this sort of ground swelling since that time and as much as i'd like to think it's we're doing a good job i think we were just in the right place at the right time um and there are there have been a lot more mental health groups that have sprung up. There have been a lot more mental health conversations that have sprung up um, and even games themselves like Destiny Sword is a great example. But we have some other great examples that have come out in the last five, six years of games that have done an excellent job of representing mental health beyond a one dimensional capacity. Mm -hmm. um, probably the one that everybody talks about the most is Hellblade's newest sacrifice um, that was done with tremendous care and research uh, and consultation with people who struggle with psychotic symptoms. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Ken and I, and actually, Riyadh, you, you've uh, had the opportunity to talk with some of the creative team behind that, uh, the Hellblade as well. Um, you know, they weren't going out there to make the definitive representation of a mental health diagnosis because you can't. Yeah. Okay. You just absolutely can't. I mean, if you think about the diagnostic criteria of depression, there's nine symptoms. You have, at least by American standards, you have to meet five criteria out of nine. Somebody once did the math for me. I forget the number, but it was something like, you know, it was tens of thousands of possible iterations of just depression. You know, uh, so there's no the idea of making a definitive representation of a mental health diagnosis is folly. So instead, now we have a growing number of games that are trying to look at it with care of avoiding harmful stereotypes of doing it with nuance. And some of them can be gritty. I think Hellblade's a great example. Yeah. Uh, the YouTuber, uh, the YouTuber, um, 
Oh my god, I'm now having a total brain fart. Don't uh, leave us hanging. Uh, Don't leave us hanging. Oh my god. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna kill me for the no no oh I'm t- <laughs> it's a totally good thing me- we can edit. <laughs> no, this is actually it's probably more fun to listen to me struggle of having yeah, just yeah. on the tip of my brain here of um god there was a great there was a great youtube video that we consulted on that's the embarrassing part (laughs) about writing games of and it's going to totally come to me later but it's this incredibly nuanced uh nuanced look at what goes into writing games and this is where you know games like uh games like uh destiny sword come in that they're going beyond this this one-dimensional representation of simple declarations that something that a character is affiliated with mental illness or they go beyond the stereotyped representations like i as much as i hate to dunk on any game um just because i i hate being negative about things american mcgee's alice just irks me um because the whole thing is based it links violence and mental health which is largely not a thing um they link psychosis and trauma and just turn it into this nightmare scenario. And so that's why it's important that we see more and more games like Destiny Sword who are taking this nuanced approach. Yeah, for sure. And it's creating it's a creating an environment where uh, young and older can can come together and play a game. And, you know, it, to me, uh, you know, Ken, you and I have always talked about it. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely some leadership quality training out of this game just in itself as, as being a leader and, and understanding that every certain person has a different reaction. Like you said, Dr. B, you know, we've gotten into this uh, habit of labeling everything. You know, first responder post-traumatic stress is different from a veteran's post-traumatic stress. And, and I remember in Boston, we had a chance to talk about that and, and, um, you know, it, it's not true. It, you know, JC and I could both be medics, uh, done the exact same tours, but my reaction and my, my mental illness will be different from his mental illness. There'll be a lot of similarities with symptoms, of course, but how we have to address it and how we get better is completely different. And uh, Everyone you know, reacts differently. Yeah, and JC, you yeah. see that a lot, especially with our patient base being so focused on veterans and RCMP. Uh, and first responders, we see that all the time. And uh, it's something that Spartan Wellness we do is making sure we don't, we, we try to remove that label and just say, okay, look, what are your symptoms? What do you need? And, and when we're helping people with our, with our uh, modalities that we offer, it, it proves to be mm-hmm. a lot more effective, eh, JC? Yeah, we talk about stigma and I was probably one of the worst uh, when it, uh, back in the day when I was uh, you know, a soldier in the military and, you know, my buddy right beside me saw the exact same thing I saw. And he's now suffering. And I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with that? I was, I was right there when it happened. That, like, yeah. I don't understand what's going on with him. Like, it wasn't that bad, you know? Stuff like that. And unfortunately, it still happens to this day. I, You know, I've learned over time, uh, obviously, uh, through education um, and my own dealings of my own stuff that i'm sure uh someone standing beside me you know dealt with the same thing i dealt with and now uh you know they're going what's wrong with this guy type thing so yeah yeah the, st- the stigma is still out there unfortunately and like you said dr b uh you know little things at a time are really gonna uh, hopefully end the stigma but right now it's it's still out there unfortunately 
And it's almost as if psychological reactions are a complex series of events that are highly personalized, resulting in greatly individualized reactions to different <laughs> to the same events. It's almost as if. Exactly. It's like our individual backgrounds contribute into things in ways that the other people can't expect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true, eh? Um, <laughs> I, I still remember that time, JC, you and I were, were, were hanging out and we were overseas in Croatia, wasn't it? And, um, you know, you were the guy on gate duty and I was standing over by the OP type thing. And uh, those two Canadian soldiers, they had been shot up and they were coming in. Oh, yeah. And, and you were like, you can't park here. And you're like, no. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I just came from the gym and was yelling at them to, you know, you can't park in front of the uh, unit medical station. Uh, but then I smelled gas and realized, oh, my God, this Jeep is peppered with bullet holes. Like, it was covered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember yelling at them and they're like, oh, my buddy shot. It's like, oh, okay, yes, please come in. Don't worry about where you parked. Yeah, but 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 going back to that situation, we both reacted different, right? We both had bit a different uh, a different look on it, a different sort of um, mental reaction. Uh, I know it sort of took me back quite a bit because I was like, "What the hell?" I thought this was a peaceful mission, and then we see this kind of stuff happening, right? So it took me as a young, 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 very young soldier. I think we were both very young at that point, you know. Yeah, we were. Yeah, I was yeah, probably so. twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Ken, listen, what drove you to do Destiny's Sword? We just talked about this whole stigma thing. What what drove you? What made you say, I'm going to take this approach? So it's a combination of a, a couple of factors. Uh, the, you know, the first being that, you know, my own background, when I was uh, over in the UK and in the majority of my career, I spent developing games in the UK. And uh, one of the, the projects I uh, worked on uh, – was a, a historical flight simulator called B-17 Flying Fortress. Uh, and it was all about, uh, you know, the 8th Air Force and, and the air war in World War II. And uh, one of my roles, you know, as well as being the, the art director on the project was uh, to, to liaise with the veterans and to, to sort of do some of the, the research. And, um, you know, we had watched all the, the movies and read all the books. Um, but when we started talking to these veterans, we realized, you know, that the, those books and, and, and movies were only telling a, a very small fraction of the story. They were talking about the five seconds these guys were pulling the triggers uh, on an eight hour mission on a yeah. five year tour of duty. And, uh, you know, realized that these guys had to make a life in that environment and they they had to, you know, find a way to get back on those planes, knowing that, you know, every time one of the people on the crew at least wasn't coming back and yeah. and that sort of thing. And it was just realized, you know, at that point that that there was so much more, you know, that our entertainment needed to to tell when we talk about conflict. And, um, you know, we see all the, the rash of movies now, like Marvel movies, where they're they're dropping whole cities as aliens come in crashing in and, and you know we're worried about our heroes and we don't even think about the 20,000 people that got smushed by a giant worm or something like that. And so, so I really wanted to kind of, you know, get more into those stories and, and uh, you know, kind of, you know, look at it from a, a, a broader, more realistic perspective. Yeah. So that's great. Um, so when, when did the project start? 
Well, it was it was so I mean, I, I actually got out of the industry in 2008. Uh, I came back to Canada because I'd been in the UK for 15 years and uh, I came back to Canada and uh, was actually doing large scale public artwork. So for museums and uh, science centers and uh, cities and things like that. And uh, um, but so it was an idea that was percolating in my head for a while. And uh, the, the time you know, was just sort of right. I'd been consulting for a lot of companies on, uh, you know, video game development in, in Canada. So I was building up a, a good network and, uh, you know, the, the digital tools uh, have developed now to the point where a small team like ours, you know, could make a game like this. In the, in the past, uh, you know, the, these sorts of games would take, you know, sort of hundreds of people and, you know, uh, substantial amounts of money and it's suddenly here we could do it as an independent team with only 12 people and a limited budget and uh, so it was just the, the perfect time to to sort of you know that idea wanted out of me and this was our opportunity yeah that's great um it's it's uh and you know what it's been pretty cool to be part of it uh just to take the concept you know i remember when you first told me about it and um we talked we we, we obviously met through mutual friend and then I remember JC, I went right to you right away and I said, what do you think? You know, and, and you actually said it, it's a great, great idea to me right away. And so it was really good to get involved and, and get Devin and a bunch of the boys there uh, to talk to you. And, 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 and it's really exciting about uh, JC having a character on there. Let's go into that, actually. Let's let's talk about JC's character, because I think having Dr. B on the show, he'll be able to help calm you down, JC, you know, with... Uh, as you get riled up, but uh, yeah, let's talk about JC's character and, and let's talk about the characters in general and, and, and what type of leadership decisions they're making. Sure. Well, I mean, uh, you know, it, it was very important to us, uh, you know, just, just talking about your guys' involvement in it and how we uh, got connected in the first place that, that we really wanted to build a game that brought people together. Uh, so we really wanted to, and that was one of the things we'd learned through our, our development in, in the games uh, that we'd made in the past was we'd, we'd sort of seen the mechanics that created cohesion and, and cooperation. And we'd seen the mechanics that sort of led to a, a very me first uh, mentality. So we, it was really our, our goal to design this in a way that that uh, was very much a team first approach. And, and that's why, you know, it was such a great fit with Spartan and, and uh, you know, the, the guys resonate so well with it, but uh, you know, it's our goal to eventually get all the, the team in there as characters, but obviously as a, as a prototype, we, we have limited uh, capacity, but we, uh, you know, especially with JC's uh, medical background we just felt that he'd be a, a great fit uh, and I know when we were sort of running the, the initial scripts by him we had a medical character uh, you know who had, had actually been overwhelmed by uh, the suffering they were witnessing and the feeling that they couldn't do enough to to sort of uh, you know uh, offset that and uh, sounds and, weirdly familiar hmm. yeah well and what was really exciting to me about it was that, that JC said actually I've been on both ends of that equation I've been the guy who's been there you know, kind of overwhelmed by this stuff, but I've also then been the manager who had to, you know, help guys who were overwhelmed and make sure they got the job done anyway. So he had that great perspective of the whole uh, gamut that players are going to experience in the, in the game. So uh, it was just a, a natural fit. And we thought, you know, he's such a handsome young fella that uh, we had to me. put that base on a character. Well, and like you said, you have a very solid team of programmers and what that can really, uh, 
uh, enhance. We'll say I'll use the Chisel word. Me up. I'll keep it positive. Enhance your looks. Is that how it goes? <laughs> <laughs> That's our concept artist that do. Is that, that is that yeah, common, Doctor B? That 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 characters get put get themselves put in there, but they enhance their their. But they want to see themselves look like. Is that is that a good <laughs> hey, mental approach? Film. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, wow. I'm here. I can hear you, FYI. <laughs> well, it's no fun if you can't. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Dr. B, uh, it brings up a good question there. So, you know, when, you, when you're talking about um, the characters and, and so forth, like in a game like Destiny Sword, and you mentioned a couple other games, um, are, are people more... more co- it's a very good point you made it right up, Ken. In the military, we don't work on a me, look at me type scenario, right? Actually, people that are me type people don't really, they don't fit in the military, right, JC? They usually get pushed aside. We're very team oriented, right? Obviously, there's that. You have to. There's some in there, though. Yeah, there's definitely some in there. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, you have to learn your job yourself and then you have to contribute to the rest of the team. And until you get the whole team working together, the team is ineffective, right? So it's like in anything. I remember when I coached sports, uh, provincial football and so forth, I used to be very clear to every player. I say, okay, know your job and know the job of the guy beside you and the guy beside you and what's happening behind you, but know your job. You do your job. Everybody does their job. We're all going to win, right? Same thing in the military. So uh, Dr. B, the question is, is that, most of the games, and I've played a lot of video games. Uh, I do a lot of that Fortnite now uh, with my kids, and it's very individualized. And you know, what what's it going to take for for games and the industry to say, okay, look, let's make this more community, let's make this more team, let's let's try. Because if we look at the situation we're in now, is even with COVID, there's a lot of individualism. You know, I don't need to listen to this. I can go out and do what I want and, and so forth. And, and really, we need to work together more. So what, what, how is that going to come about? Well, I, I think it's important to, not, to recognize that individualized video games are one slice. Mm-hmm. Okay, There are plenty of video games out there that are team-oriented. And there's, the, you know, to, to paint video games as a monolithic construct is... Um, I. I it, it's it's an easy thing to do, but I think I think it's important to take a step back from that. Um, you know, if we look at, I mean, esports, yeah, competitive esports, there are so many that are in fact team oriented. Uh, back when I used to have a psychology practice, because I you know I don't anymore. I do take this uh, exclusively these days. Um, but a lot of the teenagers I worked with, and I did work with teenagers primarily, they were interested in what amounted to team sports so uh and the ones who were effective within that those team sports like league of legends or even you know first person shooters like destiny uh and just anything else uh, or even minecraft when you share a cooperative server there are plenty of opportunities that already exist for people to to engage in those team oriented dynamics where you you absolutely have to like you said in football in the military you know your job and you trust the other people to do their job and only then can you be successful the th- you know the the double-edged sword to video games is there there's such a diversity out there of playing opportunities that if individual is more your bag well then you can get that if team oriented activities are more your bag you can get that and the only difference is one mouse click. 
purchasing yeah. that game. And you know what, Fortnite, you know, you can play uh, groups of four. Actually, you can, I, I listen to my kids, I, I don't play Fortnite uh, per se, but uh, when I hear them talking on the mic to each other back and forth, and they're organizing the attack on the other four that are over there and stuff like that, we're getting third party by another group, and their th planning is incredible, listening to it, it's like, what the heck is going on there, and they, everyone knows their role, mm -hmm. it's, it's 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 quite uh, impressive to see and hear. I, yeah. I find myself watching for hours these kids play. It's like, oh, we just got another battle royale. It's pretty funny. Yeah, um, I mean, if if uh, I I I don't play battle royale stuff just because yeah. um, <laughs> just personal preference. I I don't like that all for one and one for me kind of gameplay style yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's just too stressful for me um you know when i'm my friday nights are spent playing earth defense force 5 which i, I don't know if any of y'all have checked it out it is this schlock if the movie starship troopers were a video game it would be this game over the top campy dialogue and wave after wave of purple spewing aliens coming your way and the whole purpose is to just blow everything up what was the name the most of that? earth defense force five and it is so much better to play with friends oh, okay and and it's cooperative it's great because we're all in this bullet hell mission together which is you know we're being overrun by ants and 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 hornets aliens and these cosmonauts and we but we have to work together in order to succeed on especially some of the harder modes which are ridiculously hard oh yeah some of those games can get hard let's go back to destiny sword though your community game right ken like that's what you're trying to achieve you're you want to create a community of people being able to talk to each other through the all the dimensions of the game like dr b said very much so. And it, it's one of the things, I mean, obviously the, the game itself, you know, the, the mechanics are, are built to reward players for cooperation and for, uh, you know, uh, coordination. Um, but at the same point, it was one of the really important aspects, whether it was talking with Take This or talking with Spartan that, uh, you know, it, it, it really obvious that one of the biggest, uh, you know, sort of mechanisms for uh, support and recovery of, of mental health issues is community, is having a, you know, a, a group of people that you can, uh, you know, communicate with, who can support you, etc., um, who can check up on you. And, and that's, you know, what we tried to build into the game, you know, all the way through it, we tried to make sure what are ways that we can encourage players to, to work together to help their characters uh, you know, whether it's recovering from a physical injury, whether it's repairing damaged equipment or whether it's dealing with the, the mental health issues. You know, we, we really want to bring players together to, to work together to to achieve, uh, you know, positive results. Yeah. And, you know, the demos we did, uh, I was very impressed. JC, you remember, you know, the fact is, is that y you have to, like, engage with that person. You know, you can't just go. Oh, okay, you got you got an addiction problem. Go see that. You actually have to like you're talking to one of your soldiers, right? You're having that conversation, and I think uh, you know that JC as a leader, I know at times this can become quite difficult, right? Because you don't want to offend them. Uh, you also, you know, you need them on the line because we got to get the job done, and you don't want to push them away because uh, it can get difficult. But 
um, you know, this type of game from the way what we've seen so far, it actually helps uh, break down those barriers of communication to say, okay, look, you know what, I got to deal with this. Let's let's go through it and uh, and try to solve it. Um, JC, you must have something to say on that one because yeah, uh, it's, there's definitely a fine line between you know being a leader and being a friend because um, you want the people to be uh, you want the leader to be approachable, uh, but you also need to lead them right so lead by example is you know my one of my favorite quotes um yeah it's definitely a fine line um take this you know ken's talked about it you've talked about it dr b uh it is one of the first like you said or the first nonprofits. the first the first will make that claim to fame we should say that <laughs> we, should, we should all say that together the first but uh what's what's take this you know, it's 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 grown quite a bit. Obviously, uh, I've seen you around quite a bit. So tell us more about it. Like, how how are you how are you part of the game gameplay and and design and so forth? Well, um, so we it's it's weird. Uh, it's it's weird that probably the program we're best known for for at Take This is the tip of the iceberg. Mm. The one of the things we're probably best known for is our AFK room which it was the when we started that in the spring of 2014 we it was the first of its kind mental health staffed room at major game conventions and i i came on board at the end of december 2015 as a staff member i've been volunteer i was actually volunteering since uh fall of 2014 but the since i started tracking the data in the beginning of 2016 we've helped and hosted over 11,000 attendees and staff members at various game conventions in our AFK rooms. But as tremendous of an effort as the AFK room is, and each one takes between three to 12 months to plan, it takes so much effort to make it look like nothing's going on. If we do it right, it's kind of like a movie. If we do our jobs, you don't notice all the effort we put in. It looks natural. Um, But that is the tip of the iceberg for what we do. We have, you know, consulted on several video games, either formally or informally. We have we have done many, many mental health wellness trainings for game studios, uh, for content creators, for streamers. Actually, the one that seems to be people seem to be asking about more and more is basically building a positive community. How do you help with? Uh, your uh, your community who might be in crisis uh, it, you know I, I suspect JC you you get this a lot as you are in a place of authority you have some medical background uh, you have leadership experience I bet people come to you and say I don't know what to do help me help me help me and mm-hmm. you're standing there like uh, I don't know what to do yeah <laughs> more often than not yeah. he, he does that a <laughs> lot he does that a lot dr b and i think he yeah. does it more because he's he's fucking trying to get out of work is what it is but well, anyway so. well, I, I, I have people to <laughs> lean on that's that's my saving grace is i have people to lean on but no absolutely um, well and that that's something we see from a lot of content creators who have built up these communities and suddenly their communities are leaning on them and like, hey, I'm struggling with something. Help me, help me, help me. And these content creators who, you know, they want to stream a good game. They have no psych training. They 
just want to build a happy, positive community, and now they don't know what to do. And so one of the workshops that's probably the most popular is we help content creators, community management teams figure out how do we help people in crisis without becoming therapists. Mm -hmm. um, but we also do academic work. Uh, last year, we released another first of its kind uh, white paper on the comprehensive state of the mental health uh, in the game industry. Okay. Uh, spoiler, not great. Okay. It's, uh, <laughs> got a honesty, long way to go. Honest, honesty is is best, though, right? Um, hey, let's 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 touch on that, though, Doctor B, and and Ken, please yeah. please input as well, because you know, obviously, being in the game industry, there's goods and bads with video games and mental health. Let's 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 talk about that. Let's uh, let's let's can can you give us some sort of headway on both sides? Well, consumer industry, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, yeah. I can I can give you some some, you know, personal examples in, in how the industry has changed. You know, I mean, when I started off, you know, I don't even want to think about how long ago it was the early 90s. Um, you know, we uh, we would were sort of three and four person teams. The games were quite quick turnaround. They were sort of like a couple of months and, and it was out the door. And, uh, you know, usually you would uh, go down the pub on a Friday at lunch and you wouldn't come back. And, and that was a, a nice relax. And so it was 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 sort of a dream job back then. Um, but then the, the, the money came into the industry. And like most things that that amps up the pressure. And, and suddenly, you know, it went to, you know, uh, First of all, the, the the companies themselves had to learn how to to actually be businesses first and foremost. And I went through a, a very rocky period, and and so did the games industry, where, you know, as a as a talented individual, I was in demand, but the companies themselves were were sort of going pop like soap bubbles, you know. And yeah. it was I wrote about three or four companies in rapid succession into the ground, and um, you know, I had a, a young son at the time who was born during that stage and it was uh, it was pretty chaotic i mean I, I was very lucky that in the uk like in canada they have a you know a, a social welfare net so that we were guaranteed our redundancy pay from these companies by the government and stuff like that but it was still pretty tough with a, a new family and i i had you know nights where i'd wake up in the middle of the night because uh, my son kieran was crying and you know, I, I wouldn't quite be sure where I was. And I'm like, oh, I've got to turn the edges on him, which, which is a 3D modeling technique. And I'm like, you know, thinking he's a 3D model that I got to solve. And so, yeah, it was it was a very stressful time for sure. And um, and, you know, then we saw, you know, bigger and bigger companies uh, because that made them inherently more stable. But it led to, you know, a lot of oversight in the management techniques. And some of these places have been, you know, vilified for their terrible working conditions. And and that's, you know, some of them deserve that, but others, you know, as Dr. V says, it's a, it's a really broad industry and there've been some fantastic success stories of, of companies, uh, you know, but, uh, th there's no doubt that it, you know, it is a, a high pressure and very competitive environment. Um, and as a result, you know, it, it is pretty tough. Uh, unfortunately in my 20 year career, two of the people that I've, you know, worked closely with have, have taken their lives, um, and it's 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 tough, you know. Any any sort of really deadline-driven industry that you know has a lot of uh, pressure and a lot of crunch, um, you know, creates a phenomenal amount of stress. And and you know, the one thing that was a, a given throughout our whole time was that you know you just saw marriages being destroyed left, right, and center yeah. by the industry. Um, and and you know that was you know, I had one of my own, uh, you know, marriages fail and, and not just because of the games industry, but it certainly was a major, uh, 
uh, you know, uh, factor in that. Um, and and night, nowadays we're we're becoming much more aware of that, and there's a lot more companies, uh, you know, trying to create healthy work environments and and um, you know create support networks for their staff. And like Dr. V says, you know, a lot more uh, resources out there for people who want to create healthier environments and and more information on how to do that. So so I think we're we're turning the corner for sure. But I I think like everything, you know, there's still a lot of work to go. Dr. B, does that Oh, sorry. Dr. B, I, just, I was going to ask you the question there. So, you know, what Ken's saying, are there, are there, uh, is, is part of take this, um, you know, as part of your mandate is to help not just the users, but the actual producers, the gamers, and then the staff and, and everything else? Like, yeah. And that seems to be a huge chunk of our focus. Uh, like, you know, when I said, when I said the AFK program is the tip of the iceberg, uh, most of the work we do is in fact behind the scenes with industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, thankfully Ken is absolutely right that the idea of crunch and let's, let's define crunch for people who may not be familiar with it. So crunch is a systemic culture of overwork within the game industry. And um, in the last couple, you know, the last couple years, the IGDA's, the International Game Developers Association's Developer Satisfaction Survey, um, they have been showing that the use of systemic, chronic overwork, crunch, is going down slowly, but okay. it's still common. Hmm. And that we want to separate that out from emergencies, because emergencies happen in any industry. You know, there's going to be times where you pull extra hours. But crunch is where it's expected. And something like one out of six developers who engage in crunch are working 70 plus hours a week. And most of them don't get overtime. Wow. It's just expected. Sounds like you're in the military. uh, I actually, you know, it's funny. um, uh, um, Someone that several of us know, uh, John Phipps, uh, uh, former ambassador for Take This, uh, he made a comment one time after one particular developer bragged about their folks pulling 100-hour work weeks to get a AAA title published. He commented to me that, dude, even in wartime conditions, I was only pulling 70 hours a week. Yeah. These people are working more, and I was under fire. Oh, that's crazy. And yeah, it, it it's it's a staggering number to think about. So to answer your question, yes, we are extremely concerned as part of our mission about the well-being of games because if people crash and burn, there's no games and we all love games. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. That's just the simplest thing. I mean, not to mention the human cost on yeah. top of on top of it that we want people healthy and well. Um, they also make better games when they're healthy and well. The idea that you have to <laughs> suffer for your art is kind of a bad myth. <laughs> they get to finish yeah, it. I like it. Yeah, there's no cutting up fingers yeah. or anything like that. There, it's just get cutting the job done. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, we we don't we don't. Yeah, the the idea the idea of pathos being the dr- the driver of all art that you must suffer. That's just a really <laughs> harmful myth. <laughs> Although I'm gonna, what, I might adopt that for you, JC. You know, uh, uh, that's what Ken thinks I did with this uh, up here, this painting behind <laughs> me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. 
You just got angry. <laughs> you you'll have to put a screenshot of that on the podcast because nobody will be able to see it through the airwaves. I have. Yeah, it's, uh, it's well, a Jackson no, I, Pollock masterpiece. I, I am. I am recording us guys uh, on video from behind. Um, oh, you, know, you didn't so, say that. I had to put my makeup so, on. So yeah, just say so you know, my babies. I was really hoping you weren't wearing a hat, Ken, but. <laughs> always has a hat on yeah. I, I can go your hairline for hairline yeah no i gotta keep this covered up or the glare would blind all of you i'd i'd lose i'd lose that's uh you know that's a good point and i think one of the big things we we you know and, I, and a lot of veterans actually a lot of first responders a lot of rcmp and that will relate to this i think most canadians will but especially in in, in our trades is that um you know the expectations are set by people that are leadership uh, are usually and a lot of times far beyond our normal expectations of what we think we can do. So we're constantly striving to be better and grow. And, you know, the military, the training and everything is just to keep pushing you physically and mentally, you know. And um, but, you know, it's in industry, you have industry people who aren't actually doing the program setting expectations. And then uh, that just carries through. Maybe I, I don't know. I, I might be hitting it off off the mark here, but it almost feels well, like. Um, you know, the soldiers, the ones who are doing the programming, the ones who are in the field, they're there that the expectations put on them is, is it can be quite, quite difficult. I would say it depends on the company. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, Ken, Ken really brought up a, a, an important point is that there are so many types of companies that exist these days. You know, you the there are the indie studios with one to, you know, five people working and everybody wears multiple hats. There are the massive corporations that are driven by public stock. I mean, mm -hmm. that they have to they have to appease the shareholders, and you know, as part of that is making big hit games. And you know, there's mid level studios, and but I think one of the key differences, well, a couple of key differences between military mentality and games is in the military, it's literally life and death. You know, we're the folks in the game industry; they're they're passionate. And but their passion is also their hobby. And so there's this weird conflation of boundaries and a loss of those boundaries where and a, a lot of the folks in leadership, they they got into that leader pos leadership position because they're passionate about making games. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, that passion can also be weaponized both covertly and overtly. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're in a leadership position and you're losing yourself in your work because you just love doing it, other people are going to follow your example. Yeah. And so the and not not that, to mention, what does that do to your home life, right? Like, oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. what do you what do you do when your passion is now your career? The thing mm -hmm. that the thing that you love is also the thing that's driving your income and supporting your family. Well, a very natural, common reaction is to dive headfirst into it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think it's important to recognize that, um, one, the diversity of cultures at different studios. And I know Ken's studio is a very different beast than, let's say, a AAA studio that responds to shareholders. Um, so I, I think it's important that we that there's if there was one type of studio, we'd probably have some better answers by now to this systemic issue. Yeah. And Ken, we've worked with your team and, and they're phenomenal. Uh, it's a great culture, actually. Very positive, very happy, very motivated, right? 
Well, and as, as Dr. B says, you know, that that's absolutely fantastic. And, and it leads to some incredible, uh, you know, ideas and incredible production. But at the same point, it is something you have to be careful of because everybody wants to go that extra mile. And you just have to make sure that we're all doing it sustainably, that, yeah. uh, you know, that, that we're taking enough time to, to get ourselves a, a break from what we're doing to, to sort of recharge and, and get a good run up at it again. So COVID-19. I have to throw it out there. Uh, you know, I would love to throw it out. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I bet a lot of us are. Uh, you know, you in the states too, eh, Doctor B? You're feeling it. Um, has it? You know, obviously, obviously, you know, a lot of people are staying home. A lot of my military friends are like, you know, I'll say, what are you doing, Riyadh? Oh, I'm working. Oh, yeah, I'm just sitting here playing video games. So, has it made a difference? Is it? Is it? You know. Where do you see COVID? Has COVID affected the gaming industry? Has it made it better or worse? What, I don't know. Like it, it just seems it like certainly it's... caused sales to spike. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you know, I think it's definitely putting a spotlight on how games can be a vehicle for positive social interaction. Um, you know, because we're definitely seeing a, a a bit of a shift in mindset. You know, because again, it's like everything with stigma attached to it, right? Uh, you know, especially online gaming has always had a, a stigma that it's, you know, done by loners in their basements kind of thing. And that the online interaction is a, a you know, a, a replacement of, of real interaction. And what we're seeing now is that that's not always the case, that there's a lot of people for whom there are, you know, meaningful social interactions uh, in the online space and and that that can be a really you know positive tool in in bringing people together and helping them get through things like covid yeah it's uh, it, it i have a bit of a i have a bit of a pet peeve with a lot of the stereotypes uh surrounding well as part of the moral panic of video games mm. because they're largely untrue um there was there was an article I, that our content manager Dr. Sarah Sawyer at, at Take This and I wrote for the uh, NA, uh, APA Division Twenty Nine, the American Psychological Association, and it began with, "Video games are no longer a fringe pursuit if they ever truly were." the The fact is that gamers are everyone. Video games make more money than movies, and in some cases, movies and music combined. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can believe that. And for sure. Yeah. And a lot of the stereotypes that we hold are just truly, truly false, which is, I realize, an ironic way of putting that truly false. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> but the. That's that education. <laughs> well, no, it's also just my love of whimsy and irony. I've read, I've read Alice in Wonderland far too much. Uh, but the, the. Now that we're being forced to engage in social interactions in a way that for a lot of people was previously uncharted territory we're seeing people immerse themselves in this and realizing it's not as bad as we thought when we didn't know what we were talking about um games like animal crossing exist and i i i would love for someone to come at me with the idea that games like animal crossing cause violence i would love <laughs> for that i mean sure they may they maybe cause a little anger at you know a capitalist raccoon but you know that who i who also ironically allows you to pay off your debt through community service wow 
Oh yeah, no, Tom Nook is Tom Tom Nook is a benevolent landlord. Uh but the it we're seeing just so many new people playing and realizing, "Hey, this is cool. This is different than what I thought." And that's what a lot of gamers have been wanting for a long time, for people to realize, "Hey, there's more nuance to this than just it's a video game." Mhm. Mm and even uh, researchers within psychology, uh, our, our research director, Dr. Rachel Coart, is one of the foremost experts on the social effects of video games. And she's been saying this for years, that online gaming spaces have so many of the same benefits as face-to-face -face interactions. Mm -hmm. And what's cool is that her research has found that those benefits are amplified with people you already know. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're definitely finding that with, with COVID, you know, I mean, obviously it's a, <clears throat> we're very lucky that we operate in a, a day and age where the tools exist that we can continue to work and collaborate uh, with very little impact. Um, but we still need to get together in, in a social, you know, setting with the, the team. So, you know, we're playing online games, whether it's, uh, you know, Elite Dangerous or whether it's, uh, you know, playing some of the, the Warhammer 40K stuff through uh, the tabletop simulator. And so we're able to play, you know, a lot of these games that we used to play face to face and just keep an open voice channel and, you know, uh, shoot the breeze about what's going on and everything. And it, it really does help us to, to kind of normalize the... The, the current uh, you know stuff that everybody's going through so it's it, you know it is actually a, a really you know fantastic medium for for some of those interactions when this first started and um my kids were in the basement uh playing and i thought that they had friends over the way they were talking back and forth i'm like guys you can't have friends over right now and i go down there and they're all on the bikes it's like oh yeah. okay it's yeah, like i on. thought it was a party going on down there it's it's like there was a happened. party yeah, it exactly. Was. It is a party. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love yeah. it because I'll come downstairs to the basement and they're playing. The, you know, the girls are playing the game. I'll be like, well, who, 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 oh, we're just hanging out with our friends. And I'm like, what? Yeah. But that's what they're doing. They're you're actually yeah. they're, they're engaging. And and it's almost it, the way my youngest, the way that she's going on with her friends. It's it's like they're right beside each other, you know, yeah. except yeah. it's saving me it's money nice on chips and. And all that stuff. I don't have to buy them all. Well, yeah. I'm. I'm I'm really glad to see that so many parents are and teachers and uh, people who weren't gamers before are starting to appreciate some of the nuances of the media. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's I, as an, as apologist as I typically am for video games, I the, there are upsides and downsides to any medium. It doesn't matter what it is, but I I, I take exception to the idea that um you know that video games are uh video games are the cause of all of our ills because mm, they're not yeah, i mean no. in the 1920s pinball was going to be the downfall of civilization <laughs> yeah. um the beatles in you know 1964 had such salacious anti-social lyrics as i want to hold your hand it, and we, we we somehow survived those two so uh listen you know we gotta we got we gotta move on and um you know, we've talked a lot about this, but this is one of the things we do on every Spartan Hour is we quickly go through who is your superhero doppelganger. So I've obviously said it a bunch of times. JC, uh, you seem to always change your superhero. No, so I, let, I, I'm not going to change. So I'm let's start. My gun. <laughs> so let's start with Ken. Ken, who is your superhero doppelganger? If you were the superhero, who would you be? 
I don't know about uh, Doppelganger. I'm going to cheat and change it up a little bit. Uh, who's my superhero inspiration? And I, I'd have to say it's uh, Superman because uh, I, I've always been impressed, you know, much like the the, the, the song, uh, you know, that, that uh, here's this superhero who goes about his business, you know, has been through all this, uh, you know, suffering and, you know, doesn't abuse his power, doesn't abuse his position, doesn't really ask for anything, just, you know, keeps helping everybody out as much as they can. And, you know, I think that's something we, we can all learn from, you know, to, to not focus so much on our own problems as much as helping those around us. And, uh, you know, that's the best way to get through stuff. And uh, it, it really, you know, that's something I try to do. You know, I'm not as successfully, certainly not nowhere near as successfully as Superman, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's certainly certainly an inspiration for me, for sure. I'm noticing short guys like to use Superman, JC, because you were Superman <laughs> first too. Is it like a height who's, thing? Who's or? short? <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> Dr. B. <laughs> um, well, in terms of look or in terms of personality, because uh, they're, they're really the same. Yeah. Uh, that No, I... <laughs> Captain America, and I feel weird saying this on a Canadian podcast, The but... Similarly to Ken, with the exception that Captain America isn't invulnerable. Hmm. He is, I mean, yeah, historically he, he was enhanced with the super serum, but he's about as regular guy as you can get being a superhero. But one of the things I always appreciated, especially in the comics, is that they showed especially after the night, the 1980s onward, they showed the complexity and the challenges of trying to do the right thing to exist in a world that is pushing people towards taking moral shortcuts towards being yeah. selfish. They show the challenges and hardships that come with continuing to hold your moral and largely selfless compass towards other people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they really did a good job of exemplifying that during the Civil War storyline in the early 2000s, um, where, it, yeah, just the complexities of trying to do the right thing for others. And that that's what inspires me, to be nice. good in a world that pushes us to be selfish. You know, those are great points. Uh, and you'd be surprised, actually, both Superman and Captain America come up quite a bit. Uh, people really relate to those two characters. JC, have you changed yours? Are you still the Kung no, Fu? No, I'm still Kung Fu Panda. Okay. Uh, <laughs> mo <laughs> Mostly because I I didn't pick this. My, my co-workers picked this, FYI. My coworkers picked this. So I uh, I just go with what they they saw. I don't know exactly what, but I do like noodles. So <laughs> and eating, you love eating. Um, yeah. I I'll, I'll, I stick to mine. I'm I'm Thor, but I'm Thor in uh, the final movie. That's that's you know where he's a little chubbier, a little more relaxed. He still has all the good attributes that Thor does. He still gets a bit angry, but uh, he's in a little more relaxed state. I I fit more into that sort of character. I think than the original Thor. Um, chubby Thor. Chubby Thor, yeah. But you know what? Uh, they I just saw something. They have a shirt out now, Fat Thor. And it's uh, a, a dad with exceptional powers. 
So oh, someone that, someone that, posted that on our yeah channel. yeah I saw that Fat Thor. So I'm actually a little upset because I was I was like man I could have made a T-shirt like that. Hey, listen, um, <clears throat> we're getting we're near the end of our show, but uh, Ken, listen, where can people find out about Destiny Sword? How do we find out? How do they get involved? And you know when when can we expect to like start using it full time? So the the best place to find out anything about the game is on our website, which is www.destiniesword.com with the the two S's in the middle there. And um and basically we're we're uh, getting to the end of uh the first stage of production that we call our alpha and then we'll we'll start testing the the game out in-house. We're we're hoping to have something out around September that people can can play obviously our time scales have been a little bit impacted by by covid and things that's why with all the conventions being canceled and things that's why we're a little bit uh, later than we were originally anticipating but uh yeah hopefully by september people will be able to to get involved uh, be, you know sign up uh through the website for the the beta test and become part of the the early testing process if they want and uh, get their hands on it around uh, the end of the year right on perfect um <clears throat> so with that said, uh, I know that you can join a community now. We, we, you, you can sign up to something now. Well, we've got all our social media out there. and We're always putting out uh, posts and things. So by all means, uh, you know, follow us and, and keep abreast with the news. We're always interacting with our community to try and involve them in the development process. So it's a you know, great place to, to see what's happening. And as you say, to, to get stuck in the behind the scenes side of things, we've, uh, you know, we partnered with a New York Times bestselling author who's writing our, our backstory series, uh, M.D. Cooper. And uh, uh, Mal's actually uh, got the first book out. So it's up on Amazon right now called Lucidium Run. Uh, okay. So that's a that's the prequel novel to, to Destiny's Sword. And what we're going to do is write these novels continuously throughout the life of the game. And as people play the game, they'll be able to earn their way into the, the novel by either, uh, you know, winning events or by helping others or doing some fan favorite activities that were so oh, off cool. the wall, we didn't even think about them. So it's going to be kind of nice. cool. So you might not just be a like character that. in the in the game. You can actually be one in the books. So. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, Dr. B, take this. Can you give us, uh, how do, how do people find out about you, contact you? How do they find out about, you know, if you can give us the, uh, the details, all, all the deets as the kids would say. The deets. <laughs> they, 20 no, they years don't, ago. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I know. I'm like, <laughs> I, this shows you my age, but the, uh, uh, you can find us online at takethis.org. If you follow us on the Twitters, uh, you can find us at, at takethisorg on Facebook at, uh, for takethisorg. We have a bit of a theme going on there. Uh, you can always uh, support us through streaming, fundraisers, donations. We are a registered 501c3 nonprofit over here in the, on the America side of the border. Um, it's a little bit more complicated to get nonprofit status in Canada. Uh, we, we looked into it, but, um, but yeah, you can follow us on that. We've got some great resources on our webpage, including a whole series of COVID-19 related mental health articles that came out a couple weeks ago that I, I'm particularly proud of. And our authors did just a, just a stupendous job in cranking those out in such a short amount of time. Uh, yeah, follow us, keep up and go check out some of the resources on our website, take this.org. Awesome. Awesome. And obviously, you know, people, if you uh, want, to, if you're in Canada and, and you want to learn more about Spartan Wellness, uh, visit us at www.spartanwellness.ca and check out Spartan Hour at Facebook, uh, and we have an Instagram page as well. But all that information will be on our notes. 
Um, message from the heart, JC. Always leave it with you. Yeah. Um, you know, with this COVID thing going on, I just want to push out there. Uh, people, you know, don't give up. That's that's my message. I always like to say at the end of the, the show, there's uh, a lot of uh, my military friends. Uh, we've been training for this self-isolation for years. This is our, <laughs> this is what we do. This is, you know, but there's a lot of people out there that have not been in this situation. And, and for those, you know, uh, we've just talked about it. There's, there's resources out there for you. Um, so never give up. Um, if you need help, uh, Spartan Wellness is always there for you. Uh, SpartanWellness.ca, as uh, uh, Riyad mentioned, we have a lot of peer support uh, that's able to help you through. Listen, it's been great. Uh, clinical director, uh, Dr. B from Take This, uh, founder and CEO, Two Dogs Games. Hey, listen, Ken, real quick, the name, Two Dogs Games. Give us that story real quick because it's a good one. I got uh, two two beautiful big Bouvier girls, and they're they're my two dogs. Uh, they they uh, sleep on top of me all night long, and, uh, you know, they're, they're dragging my sorry butt out up the hills every morning to get my exercise at the moment. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty much the start and end of my life. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Hey, listen, everybody, thanks for tuning in. And, you know, listen, we learned a lot today about video games and everything as well, and the mental health, and, and video games are showing that they can be used uh if used properly are, are very effective in helping you and and building social community and, and so forth and i can't ask i can't say enough about both of you being on the show and we really appreciate it and um you know to the veterans out there first responders and all canadians civilians and and, and our american listeners uh that will probably tune in um you know let's just stay strong uh we will get through all this together and um you know what let's uh we're going to be better when we do get through it so uh we've learned a lot as 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 humans and uh i'm really looking forward to the uh the positive outcomes of of going through these kinds of things together so once again listen everybody thanks for tuning in to spartan hour it's always a pleasure to have you listen it's a pleasure to have you on uh, Ken and, and Dr. B and of course JC my co-host I'm Riyad Bind signing off now stay tuned next episode coming soon bye bye